The Cleveland Browns are next on the docket, and all the stats we are using to preview this team can be found on the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. Go download that for free right now, 100% free for a limited time. And the reason why it's free is because of our patrons over at patreon.com slash Fantasy. Support the show by getting as little as $3 a month to us. You get much, much extra, including an extra episode, access to us 24-7, private consultations, extra episode. Did I already say that? You can play in leagues with us and tons, tons more. So please give that a look as we give a look to the Cleveland Browns. Let's get started. Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking fantasy football. Not gonna lie, I am super happy that when we were assigned um, which which like position that we're gonna cover. So if you didn't catch on already, uh, we each rotate positions uh, as the as we go on. Although we are all prepared to rebut each other and things of that nature. But with that being said, um, I'm really happy I didn't get quarterback on this one, and I am not envious of the person who did. So with that being said, I welcome in. Matt Ward, not wide receivers. I welcome in Matt Ward, the lead writer and DOC at Brodo Fantasy and lead analyst and editor Mike Patrop. What's up, guys? So my finger slipped and I clicked on wide receivers. That's what she said. Um, with that being said, <laughs> what? I, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> uh, with that being said, let's get into the offensive outlook for the Browns because this team is it, it's going to be a whole new thing, even though they have everyone still in place that has started in the Kevin Stefanski, Stefanski excuse me, era. Year three is the Browns head coach. First year, coach of the year. Second year, not so much. Um, during the 75-year the history of the Browns, the team has surpassed 6,000 scrimmage yards in a single season just five times. And that includes both years under Stefanski. So even in a down offensive year last year, still one of the more one of the better offenses in Browns history um, in his 27th season in the NFL, 18th as, a, as assistant coach, including nine seasons as a quarterback coach run oriented system, despite his history as a quarterback. Um, the offensive coordinator is Alex Van Pelt. All those things I just said were actually about Alex Van Pelt. Um, <laughs> yes, it's his 27th season and his 18th as an assistant NFL, NFL head coach. And he runs a run offensive a run-oriented offensive system. The Browns last year used that system to the tune of 8th highest ranked rushing percentage and 28th ranked pass percentage, 17th in points per game, 7-10 and 10 record. There is something to be said about the fact that Jacoby Brissett had his best season of his career, even though the numbers don't jump out at you. Uh, their quarterback situation was absolutely effed last season. Uh, they're looking to change that this year. Uh, uh, they subtract Kareem Hunt, but they add... Marquise Goodwin, Joshua Dobbs, rookie Cedric Tillman, and QB Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And I think the most interesting one, wide receiver Elijah Moore. I'm going to have some things to say about Elijah Moore later in the broadcast. So let's get started with where it starts here. I think the number one – I would not even – you know what, let's do number one. I think the number one wild card in the NFL this season is, is Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson. I agree. If Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson and the way that the roster is constructed in Cleveland, this is a team that's going to fight for the division and put up a lot of points. 
if Deshaun Watson is the Deshaun Watson we saw last year, not the case at all whatsoever. So the question is, will Deshaun bounce back? I am not envious of the person who has to answer this question. Matt? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been teetering on a seesaw with Deshaun Watson in my rankings and in my evaluations because obviously the past is the past and, and what we've seen in the past is nothing short of elite and phenomenal and historic but what we've also seen in the most recent past was he was 34th ranked in true throw value he was 15.1 points per game in six games played ADP right now of QB9 which is 71st overall and you and I, Tim, even had a mock recently, uh, a redraft mock together, where I w- was thinking about, you know, that that teetering. And, and I ended up not going with Deshaun and, and, and selecting another quarterback instead. You'll have to go back and listen to the mock if you want to know who I picked. But he only had two games over 200 passing yards, only two games with multiple passing touchdowns. He threw seven touchdowns to five interceptions last season, zero games over 50 rushing yards, which is obviously what we want with Deshaun. And I don't even necessarily think that that's propriety of him coming off not playing football for two years, but like there's no designed QB run plays in a Stefanski system. That's why Nick Chubb gets 400 touches a season. And he finished the season with two top eight QB performances, but they basically didn't matter for fantasy because it was week 17 and week 18. Obviously, week 17 matters a little bit, but nonetheless, I digress. He's never started a full season below QB5 in points per game. He's got extra weapons in Elijah Moore now. I mean, it's tough. But at that ADP, you're looking at Tua Tagovailoa. You're looking at who was a top seven producer in points per game last season. And even with the games that, you know, you can count the games that he started and got concussed still top seven in points per game. Obviously that offense is going to run it back. You got guys like Dak Prescott going in that range who on a previous episode of the heat wave, Mike talked about how blasphemous his ADP is. And that's just it. It's more about a, a safety clause than anything is. I would rather not risk that investment with Deshaun. And I think there's two other quarterbacks right beside him that, are similar range of outcomes in producing top five point per game QB seasons. So, I mean, I think it was, a, it was a good attempt. I think there, there is something to be said. I mean, I like what you're saying, but I think there is something to be said about the fact that he didn't like quarterback is a complicated position. Absolutely. And this so, is why we faded him in last year's heat wave, right? Is even a later round pick is because it had been two years or a little bit over even since he'd actually played football. It would have been over obviously with the suspension included into that season, but it's, it's, it's just a risk acquisition thing. And like, you're literally talking about, they're going two picks apart from each other um, in, in ADP, like Tua and, and Dak Prescott. I, I like those guys over Deshaun this season. And I think they're on better offenses. All right, so whether or not Deshaun Watson is good or not, that's really going to be the secondary option of this offense because this offense runs run first. And the reason why is because they have arguably the best pure runner in the game. Now, I know Michael's about to spit some blasphemy, so um, I'm going to save my opinions for later. So, Michael, how do you feel about Nick Chubb this year? Yeah, I do want to say I've, I've sprinkled in some Deshaun Watson on my best ball drafts. I don't, I'm not completely sold on him. I'm not completely out on him no, either. And, and at his current I mean, ADP, I lead the same way, Mike. Is like I definitely have some shares, but I also don't like feel 
like I have to draft him in that range. Yeah. 100%. He's one of those guys where you can have shares on your best ball teams and stuff like that. But when it comes to your home league, like, you know, the the team, the one that really counts. I'm drafting Tua. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not yeah. touching that with a 10 foot pole. So Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's an absolute stud, tremendous running back, maybe the best pure runner in the league. I get it. But someone needs to explain to me, like I'm five, why people think he's going to be the overall RB1 this year. Right now he's going as the RB4 on underdog and the RB6 on FFPC. 14th overall on underdog, 16th overall on FFPC. And everywhere His I look... ECR is six as well. And everywhere I look, I see people with Nick Chubb as their overall RB1 sleeper. And, oh, yeah, he should be a first-round pick. Look, I was able to get him in the late second and third round a month ago, and now look where he's going. His ADP got pushed up. Congratulations. I hate when people take victory laps like that this early on in the offseason, if that means anything. Someone needs to, like, this guy has not had a single top five point-per-game finish in his career through the first five seasons. He is going to miraculously, in 2022, become a pass catcher and be a top-five running back worthy of a first-round pick, despite the fact that we know he hasn't done that throughout his career yet. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. And yes, I'm, it's it's a little nitpickish because he's a guy who's top-30 overall player year after year, but you don't want to waste a first-round pick or an early second-round pick on a safe play like Nick Chubb, who has one season with more than 27 receptions in his career and two seasons above 175 receiving yards. This guy had one game last season inside the top five weekly RBs. One, he had not, he had eight games, excuse me, at RB 19 or worse, because that's what happens when you don't catch passes, you're touchdown dependent, or you need to go over a hundred yards rushing. And all because Kareem Hunt is gone. He's supposed to, he's just going to become a, Josh Jacobs now he's gonna have a Josh Jacobs type season where he just becomes a big pass catcher like I don't get it at all people forget that Kareem Hunt barely played at all last season yeah and he sucked like we're also talking about a guy who has one year ever above a 53% snap share like that's not who Nick Chubb is and I understand that he's a great player but to think he's just going to be a top three running back this week and to think he's going to be a top five running back even is just, again, he's not someone I'm going to be targeting right now at cost because his cost just keeps skyrocketing at the moment. And until someone convinces me otherwise, I just don't think it makes logical sense. I got to disagree with you, Mike. I think that like, look, I hear what you're saying and it makes sense because of the receiving game. I also don't have never have never had much, Derrick Henry on my team. But I feel like the prowess that he's shown on the ground, the prospect of him being getting two thirds of the carries, which he's never done before, the prospect of it, excuse me, is is extremely appealing. Bro, he's entering his sixth season. He gets a shitload of carries every single year. I don't know what you're talking about. He gets two thirds of the carries. He just doesn't get catch passes. Well, one two thirds of the snaps, excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah, he has one season ever where he got two thirds of the snaps. He wasn't a top five running back that year. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'll I'll be the the moderator yeah. because I, I do have some Chubb shares, and I'm definitely higher on him than I've ever been I, in years past. I just want to put but... this out here. Sorry, sorry, Matt. Before you before before you do that, I just want Michael says he touches the ball a shitload of times. He this guy last year three hundred and two times, which is which is good. It's good, but two twenty eight, one ninety. 
298 in the year that he had 1,500 yards on the ground, and 192. Like, this is not a guy who's touched the ball a crazy amount of times outside of two seasons, and those two seasons that he did, he put up 1,500 yards or more and 12 touchdowns. That's a because he's the man like that. So he can Tim, finish. He doesn't have to catch passes. That's why he's a top 10 running back. You don't have to convince me that Nick Chubb is good. He's just not going to be the overall RB1. Now imagine he's on the field. Now taking now him imagine, in the top 15 players. Now imagine he's on the field 15% more time. Now imagine. Anytime your argument starts with now imagine, I'm just not going to listen to you. Well, that's stupid because sometimes people are in new situations. He's bro. entering his sixth year, Tim. What's the new situation? Kareem Hunt is no longer there. Who gives and, a fuck? Yeah, he's or played without Johnson. Kareem Hunt. Or Dearness Johnson. So what? Dearness Johnson sucks. He's never done anything besides be that's, a decent backup for half a year. Every time he plays on the field, he completely. Oh my kills goodness! Him. Do you need me to pull up Dearness Johnson's stats right now, Tim? Every time he started, can you? He's finished as an RB one every single time, bro. You don't I, have to pull that up for that. Okay. Yes. The he started. That, he started two games in his career, Tim. Dearness all right, Johnson. and he was RB one both times. Yeah, seven year career. He got seventeen rushing yards last year. Like, stop acting like Dearness Johnson is a threat. He's more of a threat than Jerome Ford. Just saying, Nick Chubb is no. Not he's not. Yeah, I think he is. And and Kareem Hunt definitely is. And you say Kareem Hunt didn't touch the ball. He touched the ball 170-plus times last year, Kareem Hunt. So I don't know. It's not as if he didn't touch it. I didn't say he didn't touch it. I said he sucked touching the ball. But he's and what still about the, getting it because what about Nick the, Chubb doesn't play it that many snaps. And now he has the opportunity to play more snaps. Why? Just because Nick Chubb's gone, there are yes! other... Uh, that's stupid. There are Why? other backup running because backup running backs do the job of being a backup running back. Whether it's Jerome Ford or whoever else they could possibly good. put out there, there's so, going to be a backup running back. Or yes. Dearness Johnson, who you think is so good. No, because a backup running back doesn't just create fucking touches either. Like, yeah, no, because but a backup running back doesn't do what the brother. It doesn't matter how many snaps Browns... somebody's on the field for. It's not like a team is getting ninety plays a game. Sure, but the Browns are still going to run last... six hundred plays over the last few seasons. The Browns have had Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt basically rotate drives. That is not going to happen with Jerome Ford. That is him being on the field more. That's more opportunity to catch passes. That's more opportunities to run the ball. Kareem Hunt was trash last year, and he still got put on the field because they're not going to give Nick Chubb 70% of snaps. I, I think that's crazy. I think that Nick Chubb yeah, has five years. Kareem Hunt has every a... day of their lives with these two players are like, look, you're so much more dominant than this dude that we're only going to give you 50% of the snaps because you're that much better than this guy that this guy definitely needs all this playing time. Like there's no logic that connects that. to him. Yeah, it, there is because if you hand the ball to someone 300 times, then yeah, you could hand the ball to somebody else 174 times when you run as much as they do. So, so Nick like, Chubb's going to have 500 rushing attempts. I didn't say that, but he could add. But then, then what are you projecting? You're creating yeah. touches that don't exist. No, they he exist. had 300 rushing yards last year. Is Jerome year, Ford going to take them? No, he's not. Nick Chubb's going to take some of them. Jerome Ford. So will now take they're just not passing the football. Some of I them. Guess. Of course, they're going to pass the football. But so not what gonna... plays are you creating, bro? I'm 60 not... plays a game, bro. What what plays are you ignoring? What plays are you ignoring? Like oh, you, you can't create touches, man. Cream, a guy. Where are Kareem Hunt's 170 plus touches going? Are they going to Jerome Ford? No. The fact are they, they going maybe the fact that they the only pass the ball. Probably not. 418 times. What? 
There's going to pass more, Tim, is what Matt is saying. Like you're just creating touches out of nowhere. You're creating a run game that doesn't exist. You're creating a pass game that doesn't exist. They had Jacoby I don't think Brissett you pay a quarterback $800 million to let him tr- attempt the, to pass the ball 28 times a game. Yeah, he's not Jacoby Brissett. I, Nick Tubb also making an incredibly high salary compared to running backs. Just saying, whatever. Just, put, just putting that out there. Nick Chubb, second highest paid running back in the league, third highest paid, somewhere around there. Nick Chubb Hi. isn't going to receive more than 24, 25 rush attempts per game. That is impossible Beautiful. to create. Beautiful. Yeah. That's more than he had last that, year. That is, put 24 times 16 right now into a calculator, Tim. <laughs> like you're not getting 480 rush attempts. You're not getting 420 rush attempts. Who do you think these incredible numbers that you think Nick Chubb is putting up? No one said 480. Well, he's so he's going to stick around a 66% snap share and a 50% opportunity share. What plays from the Browns are you creating? 16 times 25 is 400. Sign me exactly. up. Exactly. Like he's Sign not me going up for 400 that. touches. That's an RB1 but season waiting. I just said we he's know. not going to get that many touches. <laughs> but like, what and we fuck? know he's an R. I know Nick Chubb is an RB1. I didn't say he isn't, but he's not a top three overall running back. I, I got it. I'm, I'm disagreeing with you guys. Let's bet this. I can't wait I bet, until he has 380 Nick, total touches, and I'll be like, look, do, how many plays did the Browns run? I bet, injuries aside, injuries aside, Nick Chubb touches the ball 20-plus times a game, and I bet that he finishes his RB6 or better. I don't care about the touches. I'm just telling you. he And not RB6, RB6 you're going with? This fucking guy. You're saying <laughs> what are you saying? He's you're he's being drafted. At R- All right, fine. He's being RB... drafted at RB four. So say RB four or well, better. no, because his expert he's... consensus ranking right now was RB six. So let's split oh. it together. RB five or better. Yeah, fine. All right, sure. I'm I'm gonna be glad to beat the shit out of you guys on this one because this is a long debate. This is our longest debate be, of the heat wave so far. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be super stoked when you take Nick Chubb at one ten and he finishes at RB five in points per game. It's gonna be awesome for you. I can't wait to be in that league. <laughs> Well, I've never drafted Nick Chubb. I'm not saying I've, dra- and I, but I've also never drafted Derrick Henry, and I've regretted it. So, hey, maybe I will do that. Maybe I will do that. Maybe I'll have to uh, run my way to a championship. Running backs matter. Hashtag running backs matter. All right, let's get into these wide receivers though, because if some of these targets that have been vacated are going to be going to the wide receiver, it's going to be going to these guys. So, look, let's start with Amari Cooper because he's the kind of guy that you know what you're getting now. Is there a possibility that Amari Cooper takes a leap, an ascension this year because Deshaun Watson is very good? There is, but, you know, he's turning to, he's 29 as of right now. This is not a young spring chicken, Amari Cooper. And at this point, he's kind of given you the same thing every single year. In terms of consistency, last year it was classic Amari Cooper with a roller coaster ride. Now I want to I want to go through his games because it's kind of hilarious. It's actually very hilarious. Last year, in in years past, it was was he facing a top corner and you could bench Amari Cooper. Last year it was was he on the road, and if he was on the road, you could basically bench Amari Cooper. Listen to these wide receiver finishes on the road last year, starting with Week One, wide receiver eighty at Carolina, at Atlanta, wide receiver ninety one. At Baltimore, wide receiver 39. At Miami, wide receiver 62. At Buffalo, wide receiver 2. Made some big plays. And then at Houston, his first game with Deshaun Watson. And after week 13 is with Deshaun Watson, so I'm going to stop there um, because he didn't have any good 
basically any good games after Deshaun Watson. He had one good game after Deshaun Watson. He was on the road. Uh, but before Deshaun Watson, you could basically line up when he's going to be playing well. In fact, at home, he played very well. Wide receiver 9, wide receiver 7, wide receiver 11, wide receiver 9, wide receiver 2 overall. And then wide receiver 19 versus Tampa Bay. So it's just like, it's always this with Amari Cooper. It's always, I'm going to give you some great games and I'm going to give you some shitty games. And it always comes out to mid-range wide receiver 2. And it, I, I think that that's a good spot for him. Now, could his true throw value go up a little bit? Yeah, it can. Currently, his true throw value, 26th in the league. That can go up. Um, but I think that there is there is like some also stats where you're like, okay, can he repeat these things again? Because it's the first time in his career. Uh, he had nine touchdowns last season. That was fourth highest in the NFL, and that was his career high. Uh, he just missed his career high in total yards by 29 yards. So the second most yards in his entire career, most touchdowns, most yards in his entire career, just turned 29. The odds of him being an ascending player is low. So unless you're banking on a big year from Watson, I'm talking a big year from Watson, then Amari Cooper can't really get you into tight end one wide receiver one territory. He's a solid mid-range wide receiver two, and you should be drafting him at that. If he's your wide receiver two going into the season, you better have a more like solid, like Cooper Cup. Not even a Jamar Chase, because Jamar Chase has those up and downs. You need like a Cooper Cup who's going to score you for consistent points every single game if you're going to go to Mark Cooper as your wide receiver too. I'm sorry. All right, Michael, relax. All right? I'm just saying like you need someone, not even like a Justin Jefferson. Like th those guys oscillate a little more than Cooper Tim, Cup does. Please, wildly consistent. I'm just telling you. Right now. Cooper Cup is more consistent than, than Justin Jefferson. This is a fact. Shut, shut the oh, hell up. Oh, because Cooper Cup obviously had the best season ever last year. Like, what and the year before. Don't act like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase aren't consistent just because they have a couple down games here and there, Bruh. as all wide receivers do. You're pissing me off today. I don't even know where your logic comes from. Uh, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't take into the account that, that Cooper Cup was Tim, the best please. ever. Instead... Take into account that these two guys were really good. All right, Tim. So draft Cooper Cup over Jefferson and Chase. I didn't say that. I said team <laughs> construction wise. If I'm if I'm taking a guy like Jefferson and Chase, I'm expecting some down games from them. This is what the territory is. A guy like Stefan Diggs too also has territory. These, also has these down games, right? Don't take Amari Cooper if you have those guys. If they have those oscillating guys, that's what I'm trying to say. Elijah Moore is the second wide receiver I want to talk about now. On a narrative standpoint, I will say this. Sometimes in this medium landscape we have, I will say this. Being an egotistical asshole, right, sometimes is mistaken for being a great leader. The Jets have had two egomaniacal type dudes over the past few years that were considered great leaders and great workers that ended up being just trash. Jamal Adams and Elijah Moore. Now, Jamal Adams played well. Elijah Moore hasn't even played well. And in the second year, demanded a trade. So he got shipped out. He was in the doghouse before he got shipped out. But the, the thing is about him is you can't really be in the doghouse so hard that you're never heard from again. Like you saw Brandon Ayuk get in the doghouse, but he earned his way out of the doghouse. So it makes me think, what makes him in the doghouse so hard? And look, this is all narrative. It's all me just talking. I'm just speculating. But... Michael Floor, the system that he runs, it's the Kyle Shanahan system, very complicated system. Robert Sala is one of the more classy guys in the NFL, so he'll never fully say 
what happened to Elijah Moore. So it's just speculation. But I'm worried that he doesn't put in the work off the field that he needs to put in. Maybe he's confusing routes. Maybe he's confusing timings. You saw him and Zach Wilson get crossed up a bunch of times. People just kind of assume that was Zach Wilson's fault. Maybe it's not Zach Wilson's fault, right? Whatever it is, people are acting like it, it was all just doghouse. That was the reason why Elijah Moore wasn't good. And I and I just think that's not going into the season well-informed. Um from week 13 on, he played at least 68% of the snaps. Never played over 68% of the snaps before that. So he was working himself back into the offense. He was still out-targeted by Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis overall in those games. So he didn't earn the targets when he was on the field, no matter what quarterback was on the field. Is there a chance he hits? Yes. He was a highly ranked prospect. He's shown the ability to win at the point of attack. At the same time, you don't know about his quarterback. This is a run-centric offense. You don't know where his mind's at. If he has the ability to earn targets early in the season, maybe I'm buying into him. I'm not taking that risk on my team. And Donovan Peoples-Jones, nothing more than a fill-in guy. Not really worth a pick. Only had a couple games uh, inside the top uh, 36 last year. I don't really expect that to change. Same with the rookies. Uh, David Bell, I don't think, is really ready to take that next step yet. Um, And Tillman, the rookie who was... Missed last year in Tennessee uh, because of an injury, although was a dominant wide receiver before that. He might have some future appeal, but I'm not looking at him in redraft this year. Uh, anything I said that you guys think is blasphemous? You guys have been arguing with me all day today. I mean, you said Elijah Moore has never been good. Just discounting it's his just rookie, false. discounting his rookie season is a little wild. I'm not discounting his rookie season just by saying just he's that, never been good. Do you remember how good he was? For like he went on a, all right, fine. He went on a very good five game stretch as a rookie. That's yep. not easy. To never do. been heard of from again. Look, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Elijah Moore guy, but I'm just saying on uh, a team that fed like, him the ball to say he's I, never, I like, I, I like Elijah a little bit, but more so for dynasty anyway. All right. Let's, it, it all depends on Deshaun Watson. I think Elijah Moore could end up having some flex worthiness. David Njoku, he's in a crowded offense, but he's a talented player. How are we feeling about him? Yeah, really talented, highly paid, uh, incredibly athletic. We know tight ends break out late. He had a little bit of a breakout last year as well, like uh, tight end eighth in true target value, tight end eight in true target value, uh, which is also where he finished in points per game, tight end eight, 10.1 points per game. 14 games played. Obviously, injuries have always been a concern with Njoku. 80 targets on an 11th-ranked target share of 18.6, 12th-ranked target rate of 22.2%. So he was getting targeted pretty heavily when he was running routes and when he was healthy. Caught 58 of those 80 targets for 628 receiving yards, which is kind of a low yards per reception. Yeah, 10.8, but not very high in terms of overall tight end finishes. Four touchdowns, five top six tight end finishes overall. So that's kind of really the route that you want for your later tight ends if you're still drafting them in the top 10 is that they can give you those top five, top six tight end uh, weeks. And four games over 15.0 points per game overall, but had four games below eight points as well. Tight end 10 right now in ADP, that's 106 overall. I'm not incredibly disappointed at that ADP. I think that's a pretty good spot. Again, crowded offense. If Elijah Moore regresses back towards his norm of target shares too, then that leaves definitely a lot lower than an 18.6% target share and 22.2% target rate for Njoku. But again, 20 red zone opportunities, which ranked third, eight big plays over 20 yards in only 14 games that ranked eighth. So Njoku can get up and go get it. Um, 
and just seemed like a lot of, you know, again, with that, that the amount of targets and only 53 receptions, definitely some missed opportunities playing with Jacoby is not going to help. Actually, it was worse playing with Deshaun for that matter. Um, Jacoby was feeding him a little bit better. You saw him on a little bit of a stronger run when Jacoby was under center. I think Njoku is always going to have that, like I can finish with 30 points in a week because he did like, and he's always going to have that, you know, tight end one tight end two upside, but the inconsistencies are also always going to be there. The injury concerns and, and lack of availability is always going to be there as well. Let's talk about the dynasty stash as we run the longest episode we've had on the heat wave so far because of that uh, 28 minutes ain't too bad. And I'll definitely get us out under 30. Let's do it. Jerome Ford, man, go, go, go. It- as much as we were yelling about it, it is it's going to be a decent amount of volume, and I do still think that these backups are going to get mixed in. Obviously, like it, again, he's not going to see thirty touches a game. That's just not going to happen. He might have a higher snap share, but Chubb is not going to see that amount. And I we argued about it enough, but I actually like Nick Chubb a lot in this offense as well. I think when Mike was talking about him going in that later second round, I still have some higher exposure shares, but more when he was cheaper. Um, obviously, and, and I think Jerome Ford is the most talented backup since Kareem Hunt. He's definitely better than Dearness Johnson, as I was alluding to. He had really productive at Cincinnati, obviously helped them on their Cinderella run when Cincinnati made the finals um, and in that Desmond Ritter loss. But that's it. If, if anything were to happen to Nick Chubb in this incredible amount of volume that Tim is attaching to him, where running backs usually get injured after 380, 400 touches, um, then yeah, Jer- Jerome Ford's definitely going to see some run. No matter where the heat wave takes us, find us with a smile. We're going to Pittsburgh next week and tomorrow. Much love. Peace.